0: Congratulations. You made it to the XFL. You can relax, empty your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hey there mike aka mtb trigger here and with me as always is my co-host ronald aka eric if you are brand new welcome this is an escape from tarkov podcast where we talk about all things eft and our main goal is to help you get better at the game just like we're trying to do so first things first let's get our hideout keeping stuff out of the way first it's the number 34 Yes, you heard it, 34. That's the number of five-star reviews that we have on iTunes right now. I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you. If I see you in game, I will still shoot you, but thank you. And second, the best way to support the show, as always, is share this with a friend, whether they're thinking about playing Tarkov or they're currently playing. Thank you to those that have done that. Beyond that, if you can give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to the show on, that helps us tremendously. And if for some reason you can't give us a five-star review, please let us know why. We want to put out the best show that we possibly can, and we really appreciate your feedback. We also are just wanted to say thank you to anybody who subscribed to the YouTube channel over at youtube.com forward slash xpmedianow. That's where the live webcam-enabled talk show always goes up for every episode as well. So if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitch a couple days a week, as well as on
0: Twitter. And Ronald, how are you, man? Let them know where they can find you. Hey, I'm doing great. If you're looking for me, you can hit me up in our Discord, send me a DM. That's probably the best place to find me. We're checking Discord all day long, every day. Also on Twitter, at Ronald Gaming. Could you tell us about our guest tonight, Mike? Absolutely, man. So tonight on the show,
1: we alluded to it, we've got a guest, and it's kind of a cool and crazy story. So our last guest on the show, Dadcaster, he was telling us like right after the recording that he had been hanging out in a channel that he was really starting to enjoy and engage with. So after we recorded, we went in and watched a little bit. And we're all really enjoying it. And dad's like, hey, I've been talking to him a little bit. And I bet you he'd be interested in doing something like the podcast. So Eric and I were like, yeah, let's let's go. Why not? Let's have him on. We were having a good time watching, laid back, cool stream. And so he made the connection. And here we are like four days later after the first time we were watching. And just because of the magic of scheduling sometimes, uh, here we are. So Mr. Dotty Heck, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. Excited for this. Well, we're glad to have you. It's it's kind of funny, right? I watch a lot of Twitch and I'm, I'm kind of like a serial lurker. And so a lot of times back on the, on the PUBG show, I would have been like watching somebody for months and months and months and then finally the schedules or stars align or whatever it was. And then we'd finally get to have them on the show or something. But in this case, it's like not only am I excited to learn more, but I also know that you've been playing Tarkov for a long time. So we're obviously going to jump into Tarkov, but before we do that, because we can talk about Tarkov all day long, I was hoping that we could jump into some background and learn a little bit more about you before jumping into that. Sure, yeah. Again, my
2: name is Dottie Hack, for those of you guys who are listening. A little bit of background for me, uh, I grew up in Maryland, just outside of Baltimore and D.C. I spent a few years working for Amazon as like a department manager, really had a passion for music and I was a drummer and I'd been a drummer for about, where are we at, 12 years now and had been in a band that was kind of starting to gain a little bit of momentum and success. Eventually, I had signed a record deal with that band and moved to Florida where we all kind of like reconvened. Uh, and we're doing like some serious US tours and things like that. And then that sort of died out. And I'd always just been a gamer. I was actually going to college uh, for video game development. But I, I dropped out to uh, to basically like pursue this uh, touring career. And then eventually when that band kind of fizzled out, I just, you know, I just jumped into full time Twitch streaming, essentially.
1: That's really cool. So one of the things I've noticed, and we've... I had the pleasure of talking to Jeremiah Freights on the PUBG show with the Lumineers, if you're familiar with them. It's fascinating to me that whether you're a musician or athlete or, or anything that requires a lot of touring or driving or moving around a lot, gaming seems to be like a really common hobby. Were a lot of people gamers in your band or was it just you? Or like, how did that play a role while you were touring? Everybody
2: was kind of a gamer, but we all had different games. Like one guy was a fighting game. He loved like Street Fighter and Tekken. Another one of my guys uh, in the band, our bass player, uh, loved playing like WoW and other RPGs. I was always like the FPS guy in our band. So I was always like, I came from a Counter-Strike background. I had played, you know, a lot of ESEA and did a lot of competitive play and knew a lot of semi-pro players and whatnot. So I was always,
0: like, the first-person shooter guy <laughs> in our group. Yeah, so I got to ask, like, when you're touring like that, just from, like, a music nerd perspective, like, how much time do you actually get to game, you know, like, when you're on the road? Oh, unless you have, like, a Switch or something? None. Like, you don't get any time.
2: You're at least at the caliber that I was touring at. We were sleeping in our van in a Walmart parking lot, all trying to, like, <laughs> jack a power outlet in a McDonald's, you know, trying to save, <laughs> trying to save power for our phones and things like that. So, like unless you had like a mobile game or like a Nintendo Switch. That was about it. If you got to a venue early enough, you could kind of sit down and plop, maybe if they had an Xbox or a PlayStation there. That was really the only time you really
1: got to play games if you were on the road. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And so for those that are unfamiliar, what was the band name and, and what kind of music did you guys play? So we
2: originally had a band name, uh, which was Kamisato, and we wanted to rebrand it to have like a more professional sounding name. So our management team came to us and we were like, Hey, let's rebrand this. Let's get something more identifiable. We rebranded it to Phantoms and we were kind of like this dark aesthetic metalcore heavy metal band. Uh, like guys, long black hair. Uh, some of us wear paint makeup. Some of us wore skinny jeans and things like that, but it's in the lines of like what you would associate with like the Vans Warp Tour. It's along the type of music we played was uh, synonymous with something like that.
1: Dark hair, jeans, and makeup isn't usually what I would think of as a melody. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love the whole concept of like gaming history and how people ended up playing the same game. So I actually have a really deep history in Counter Strike. That was the game that got me playing on PC way back in 2003. I was playing Counter Strike 1.3 like crazy. Um, and then I played all the way up through global offensive. And that's kind of where it it died down. I picked up WoW and did some other things until I started playing PUBG. And then obviously now into Tarkov. But ESEA, you said that and it was just like, ooh, flashbacks, like competitive Counter-Strike, man. Like, ha- so what version of the game were you playing competitively? Um. Well, I started
2: much like you in uh, 1.3 when it had its own, uh, like, standalone client. It didn't like Steam wasn't even created yet. Yeah, my Steam accounts from November of 2003 when Steam was created in September of that year. So I remember those days, like playing DE Rats and CS Militia, and like all those as oil rig and all like those classic maps you know what i mean (laughs) protect the vip let's go yes (laughs) oh i wish they brought that game (laughs) mode back that was was such a good game mode that's awesome but um i essentially started playing competitive when it got to 1.5 1.6 right after uh uh, cal was a league that we used to play in as well cal sevo esea uh, so I did that for a few years. We never really got out of open. We always made like playoffs, but I knew guys like uh, if you're familiar with uh, Flom, who was a semi-professional Counter-Strike yep. player, created that Mythic League. Still a big streamer. Yeah, very big streamer. I try to stop in every once in a while. He was actually somebody we hung out with when, uh, when I was on tour one time, too. So that was fun to kind of delve into. But yeah, I played a lot of Counter-Strike uh, all the way up through Global Offensive, and that's where I was competing, playing in ESEA things like that. Did a couple lands in Florida when I was living there. So I just, I love that game, but then I got my hands on Tarkov and then just never looked back.
1: That's awesome. Well, I appreciate the, uh, the gaming history. That's always one of my favorite things to find out, like what role it played in your life when you got into stuff. So you've been on PC a long time. So
2: Oh yeah. I remember like back in the day you had like 512 megabytes of RAM was like a big deal. And you're playing like Battlefield 1942 because the maps were just so big at the time. And this is like, oh, this classic gaming ever since then, like I've never really had a console. And I always just reverted back to PC gaming.
1: Yeah, same same for me. I took breaks from FPS and, you know, played Diablos, played WoW. Obviously, that took up a long portion of my gaming career. But it's always been PC once I ever once I got the taste, man. For me, it was Office. It was Office that got me. I don't know. For some reason, the gameplay on that map just was amazing way back in the day. It was pre-Steam days. So outside of music and gaming, is there anything else that maybe your current community doesn't know about? Is there anything else that you have heavy interest in that outside of gaming and music? I've tried to pick up some other
2: outdoor activities and things I didn't have the opportunity to do when I was living in Maryland and in Florida. So I go snowboarding a lot. There's actually my snowboards like right behind me. And I've started to pick up hockey. So I've tried to play a little bit of hockey as well. Tertiary to that is I've played FPS games all of my life, but I never really got around firearms and things like that. So one of the things I've met a couple of gentlemen, we go out shooting sometimes, especially in the Tarkov community. That's something I've been learning and getting into as well. So those are three really big things that I've always loved. And now I'm finally getting to do now that I've like moved out to Seattle and have these opportunities, like the mountains are two hours away. So it's a quick drive to just go up and go snowboarding. There's a couple hockey rinks. There's actually like the biggest adult hockey league in the United States in the greater Seattle area too. So there's a lot
1: of stuff going on around here. That's cool. That's awesome. So you were talking about getting into, I think you were alluding to firearms there. And I think I remember seeing something on your Twitter about doing some training with Berserker Arms. Yeah.
2: So Edward Fulner is the owner of Berserker Arms. And I met him and his buddy, Justin, through my Twitch channel. And I started regularly attending these events in Seattle for a organization called SOBA, which is the Seattle Online Broadcasters Association. Okay. And I went there and had been meeting people there. I got to know them. They invited me to go out shooting. And we'll get into this in like the part the Tarkov portion of our, uh, the conversation. So I had earned a moniker from playing (laughs) Tarkov. And this gentleman had basically essentially what was the weapon that gave me the moniker in the Tarkov community. And so we started doing some training. We started doing some video footage. He's starting a new company. I've been uh, supportive of him trying to like help grow his brand. He's been helped kind of teaching me and educating me about like firearms and technique and all that kind of stuff. So it's just been like this cool, this cool circle of support that's going like round and round and round, like I'm helping him, he's helping me. It's just been really cool. It's just been something that I've been super excited about uh, and been very enthusiastic to continue to learn.
1: What was the most interesting thing? like, going out and shooting some of these guns. Like, what was the most interesting thing? Like, obviously, you know, you play some of these games, and Tarkov obviously has the super deep, you know, gun mechanics, the parts, the building of them. What was, like, the most interesting thing as you went and did this? Because uh, presumably you've got to shoot some pretty cool stuff, uh, (laughs) knowing the name. Oh, yeah, we've definitely got to
2: shoot some cool stuff. We got to shoot, like, a 12-gauge Benelli. We got to shoot this really awesome suppressed AR-10 Uh, a couple AR-15s, a lot of Glocks and uh, different pistols. One of the things that's really interesting is the operation of a firearm. And you don't really get a good sense of that until you have one in your hands. And there's actually a really funny clip where like, I go to... So basically, I draw this uh, AR-15 to try and clear a steel tree where I have to hit six consecutive targets on the way up. That's probably about 15 meters in front of me. And as I raise the weapon, turn off the safety, aim and fire the first round, the magazine falls out. (laughs) And like I just put we posted this clip on Twitter and it had like tens of thousands (laughs) of views and everyone is just laughing. And they're like, oh, my God, did that really just happen? I'm like, yep. So like operating a firearm, like the guys like slapping the mag into the into the mag well and things like that, pulling the charging handle, like all those things you take for granted because the game does that for you. And so, when you finally get your hands on something like that, you get to work your way around it and operate it. It's a completely different experience that you don't know until you actually do it. And that clip, it's just the the pinnacle of, like, that point. So, until you get your hands on it, stuff like that happens until you're doing it regularly. So, I just thought that was super funny and super interesting.
0: How was it when you were like actually firing and aiming, you know, like in the games, the barrel will, you know, wander up or down because of the spray and things like that? How was it like your impression before you shot the different types of guns?
2: I'd known that there was like some recoil and things like that. So I was anticipating certain things being able to control and handle that is really interesting. And I had played baseball for about 15 years. So I had some, some level of like hand eye coordination. Uh, Mr. Fulner, the owner of Berserker Arms, his AR and his, his ARs and his, his equipment is very well set up. So it's very much easily to just like point, uh, pull the trigger, shoot, uh, and kind of reset. So it's it's really interesting feeling that recoil, but the way his firearms were set up, it was very easy to control and playing games you're kind of familiar with that. There's a little bit of like shock value to it, but once you kind of get a feel for it and you you pull the trigger a few times, you're like, "All right, this is kind of cool. Let's see what we can do here. Let's let's get into this a little bit."
0: Yeah, what about like the scopes? The what kind of different scopes were you able to use? Um so he
2: he has a lot of Trijicon stuff and EOTech So he had something that is resembling of, like, the EOTech Voodoo in Tarkov. He also had a Trijicon SRS, and we used uh, the Trijicon RMR for the handguns that we were using. So it's kind of neat, too, to see these things, like, to see this equipment in real life. And then you also see it in the game, and you're like, oh, I know what that is. Or, oh, I've seen this before. I see myself, like, walking through, like, a Cabela's or, like, a Bass Pro Shop, and I'm looking at these parts, and I'm like, Oh, I know what that is. That's a Magpul AFG grip, or oh, that's a Raptor charging handle. And I've seen these things, and I'm like, oh man, Tarkov's
1: taught me so much stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So,
1: what of all the stuff that you've shot now in person, what was your favorite gun to shoot? Um, so he has a really cool rifle, which is I think it's an
2: AR fifteen. I don't know if it's classified as an AR fifteen or an AR ten, but it's in three hundred blackout, and it is a suppressed weapon, and it is very very quiet. So normally we wear active headsets so we can talk and hear as people are firing uh, at the range. That gun is so quiet when it is suppressed, you can take your headphones off, stand next to it, and it sounds like nothing. It sounds like somebody's whispering next to you. He had this full optic, a tactical device on it, foregrip. Uh, I had a f- couple photos I think I posted on my uh, Twitter about it, but that was probably the coolest, coolest of his toys that he had. <laughs> so that one was pretty fun.
1: Don't add that to Tarkov. I want to be able to hear the guns. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quiet. Like, even
2: standing next to it, you could barely hear it. Wow. So that, and he also had this 12-gauge shotgun that's sawn off that he calls John J. So you have to, like, dig it into your hip and, like, hold it at the muzzle, basically. Just kind of fire it. That was pretty fun. It's a pretty fun thing to shoot. That thing has a lot of kicks, so I had a, a severe bruising, I think, on my hip after firing that off a few times (laughs) it's the old scav weapon yeah exactly scav weapon (laughs) that's awesome
1: well you mentioned that you were in florida i heard you say maryland i heard you say seattle so you've obviously toured and traveled a lot but was that all for the band like have you or did you move around as a kid too or what's the what's the background there
2: so I lived in Maryland for about 27 years. Uh, that's where I grew up. That's where I'm originally from. My band was all generally located in that area. Half of our band moved to Florida at the time to relocate with family. Um, and so at the time my bass player and I were the two that were living in Maryland. It was very expensive to live there. We were paying, you know, $1,500 for like a thousand square foot apartment not including utilities and whatnot. So we had toured Florida and we knew that it was really cheap. So we saw it as a viable option to move and it'd be profitable essentially for us to tour and live there, having the cost of living be so cheap. So we moved there, we inked our record deal uh, and we were practicing. We lived in uh, the Jacksonville area for a little while. So the property value wasn't super, super expensive, but we were able to tour. We were able to come back to our jobs. Uh, I was bartending a lot at the time. And that was basically our the best way for us to sustain our means of living while we were out on the road and come back home to have basically a life to continue on with when we weren't touring, right. essentially.
0: So you've got the music thing going on. You're touring. You got that going. And you decide, okay – I want to become a full-time streamer on Twitch. So how did that happen? So
2: eventually I was working at two bars. I worked at this gaming bar down in Jacksonville, Florida called GLHF with my friend Cliff and Taya, who owned the the restaurant. It was a gaming bar essentially around, you know, streaming, uh, video games, arcades. So it had like pinball machines and like the classic like Area 51 cabinets, the Street Fighter cabinets, PlayStations, Xboxes, so on and so forth. I'd always loved gaming and I just wasn't in like the best position. I wasn't in the best frame of mind when I was down there doing that. Uh, I I would say I was probably in a very depressive state. So I turned to gaming to kind of like alleviate some of that. One of the reasons why I made such a major push for trying to become a content creator and a streamer was because my band eventually failed. We kind of grew apart. Uh, A couple of guys left the band and things just kind of fizzled out essentially And so having that void for me, I filled that with streaming and and gaming. And Tarkov is one of those games where you can play for 10 hours and you blink and, like, you don't even realize that an entire day has pretty much gone by and you're still playing because it's such a good, unique experience that, you know, most people haven't seen in the gaming world. When I realized that I started to have some sort of potential and some sort of success... I was really adamant about spending the time to stream, create content, put the hours in and do that. And so I actually like what I did was I catered my work schedule. So I I went to my bosses and I said, hey, I don't want to stream or I don't want to work these days, these times, because I want to set this time aside to try and stream. And the more I did that, the more I started to see an increase in, in viewership and things like that. And eventually, I got to a point in May of this year where I said, all right, I don't need a job anymore. I can do this full time and basically just jumped into it. But I was catering my schedule to accommodate that to make sure that I had enough time and resources and ability to spend enough time streaming.
0: The question I have is like, so when you started playing Tarkov, what was the community like? Like, who did you find playing this game? You know what I mean? Like, in the early days of Tarkov, like, first of all, how how long have you been playing exactly? Like, wh- when did you dive into it? What was it like in the beginning?
2: I started playing around the point five point six patch, uh, back in the summer of 2017. So I had been watching guys like Clean, uh, Breaking Skulls, Cotton. Some of the guys that are the major heavy hitters in the scene now were guys that were coming up like myself, uh, Veritas, Anton, Pestilli, Those guys had all been grinding and I'd been, you know, I'd made friends with them. They were all very small content creators. Uh, so I've been playing Tarka for the better part of the last three years specifically. And as the game has grown, all these content creators have grown with it. And it's really exciting to see. Twitch drops event, uh, for Tarka was massive. It was such an awesome success to see. And you see somebody like Pestilli, who I know that has worked at providing content for this game, at putting out videos and guides for this game. This guy now had over 100,000 people watching his stream. Like That is an incredible feat to see. What it boils down to is that everybody else in the Tarkov community just wants everyone else to succeed and everyone is very supportive of one another. This is one of the only communities that I've seen where every content creator, when they get done streaming, they always host somebody else. And it's usually somebody smaller because they want to help
1: them get more
2: exposure as well.
1: Well, I find this fascinating because... On basically every episode of this show, and we we joke about it every time that we're going to try to stop talking about this, but it's something that we truly believe in, is that one of the first things we noticed about the Tarkov community was it's foundational to even really play this game and start to figure it out. It's gamers helping gamers. And the way it's set up is that, you know, you as someone who has played this game literally for years, if you and I were to go into a game you can make the conscious decision about how much gear you can risk while teaching me something or getting me a task done or whatever it is. And just that development decision is just so incredible for this game. So it's really cool to hear that the content creators that were starting out with this and really getting going also are in that same vein. And again, there's a lot of new people coming into the game right now. We've had a ton of them come and support the podcast. Has it always been kind of a steady ramp of people coming in the game? Or have you seen it happen kind of in spikes?
2: Um, it's really, it really happens in spikes. And so what you'll, what you'll come to find in Tarkov is there's wipe cycles, right? So every so often when a major content patch comes out, the game wipes and the game starts over from scratch. When you have those wipes happen, there is a massive influx of players either that are coming back to the game or trying the game for the first time as the game gets bigger. So there's this massive spike in the player base. Depending on how long it goes between those wipe cycles, you'll see that drop off. You'll see the player base goes from, you know, 40,000 people to like 5,000 people. And you, you see that and you see it on Twitch too. At some point in time, my channel had been top five streaming in my time slot at night versus now. Even if I'm in that same time slot, like I'm five, four or five brackets down, there's a hundred thousand people streaming this game. Where when I was streaming it three months ago, four or five months ago, there's maybe six, seven thousand people watching the game. So you see that influx happening a lot, and it's primarily around
0: those wipe cycles. Gotcha. So when the when the wipe cycle happens, this is something like Trigger and I have not experienced yet, right? So we're really curious about one thing. We talked about it last week on the show with with Dadcaster. A little bit, but I'm really curious your perspective on players who are really experienced. Do they get bored with it because they know what's going on? Or, you know, does the game change enough to keep it interesting? Like what happens to those super high knowledge players in a wipe cycle?
2: Uh, I guess it depends on how you approach it. So when you get to essentially end game in Tarkov, you're basically just running around high tier gear and you're just, you're just focusing on PVP. You're just going for player kills, gunfights, things like that. What the experienced players really, really enjoy are those wipes and how fun and unique and crappy those gunfights are at the beginning of a wipe when you've got these baby AKs. You can't hit anything. There's no optic on it. Like Those experiences are so much more fun than these late game meta M4 airframe gunfights that you get into sometimes. So like, It is refreshing to do that. Now, what's frustrating is some of the quests that you have to do to kind of complete the progression of the game. Battlestate's actually done a really good job of creating new quests. Some of them are a little bit monotonous. Some of them are super grindy. So they've been dwindling them down and they've changed each wipe cycle. That in itself, that grind can get boring and very monotonous at times. But Battlestate's done a good job of when they add new content, they add new quests as well. Some of them are a little bit dumb and they're kind of finding that out uh, through the community, like having to kill 15 players with a suppressed shotgun and like the scav hat or something like it gets pretty hard to do that. And some people are like, why do I have to do this? They're still in the works of like balancing that stuff out. So it can get a little bit boring at times, but uh, it's also very helpful to like teach new people the game, try new things out, things like that. That's what really keeps this game uh, fresh and
1: unique. So we had a little bit of fun with this with Dadcaster. And I want to ask you this because you've obviously seen a number of iterations of this. But I also wanted to say that I appreciate that you say quests because I'm really self-conscious about the word quests because I know it's tasks in game, but I can't get the word quests out of my mind. So I'm glad there's at least one other person who shares that with me. (laughs) Uh, But what tasks do you look at and say, I wish this task wasn't in the game anymore? Like, is there anything that you really don't want to ever do again. And then the follow up to that is, what task do you actually really enjoy doing and wish there was more like it? Okay, first one, I'm going to say test drive.
2: I hate that quest. Reason why is because it requires you to use a thermal uh, Trigicon Reap IR. And I hate those thermal optics in this game. I am one of those guys that just like, nope, I think it's super cheesy. I hate When people like solely rely on using that equipment, that optic to play the game and having to use that as for a quest just like hurts my soul so hard. I wish they would take these things out of the game. Now I know that they're not going to take them out of the game and they're working on balancing them, making them making it so that they're harder to acquire, more of a risk. They already have made it so you can't gamma them. You can't throw them in your container. So if you die, you lose it, which is a good way to balance it. I just think it needs to be a little bit harder to acquire. Quests like that, where it requires you to use certain specific equipment, at least in that instance using an IR, is a little bit silly. There's also some quests, I don't know how far you guys have gotten, but they basically require you to do a cosplay. Where you have to wear certain armor, wear certain equipment, or look like this to try and get an objective done. And it's cool because it's part of the lore, it's part of the story that they're building. But some of those quests are just like, why do I have to do this? Like, this is just... Super, super weird, super monotonous. But then there are some other quests that are really fun and really challenging, like having to kill 15 scavs at night without night vision. Like that's, I think, like stuff like that's really fun. Or getting three 100 meter headshots on every map. Or one of the last quests that you have to do in the quest line, which is called the guide, where you have to survive every map in succession. So if you get to that quest and you die on one of those maps, you start the whole thing over. I love stuff like that. Stuff like that is cool and challenging. Yes, you can cheese it. Yes, there is a way to go about like making it a little bit easier, but things like that are what I look forward to in the game. And this is actually the first time I've actually completed every quest. Normally when I get to level 40, I stop questing because I just didn't see the point of it. But this was the first wipe where I actually
0: sought out to finish every quest. So with the guide quest just one quick question cuz we're not there yet. Do you have to not only survive and not get run through, like you actually have to be on and do something?
2: Yeah, yeah, so you can't just basically run out of the map. You actually have to get a few scav kills, get some loot. You have to basically get enough experience for it to count as an actual raid. Even if that's just popping two scavs, uh looting a few boxes or whatever and then you pop out, maybe you get the bare minimum XP, but that's that's still
0: something that counts. That's awesome. And then Second question, is there, do you have a favorite spot to like grind XP? I would say the best place to just grind XP is labs. You get
2: five times the amount of of XP that you normally do uh, from other maps just by like killing raiders and other players. So, where you could get an average of five, six, seven thousand XP on a map, on labs, you could easily get 20, 25, 30,000 XP regularly just by taking down a few raiders and a couple players. So that's definitely the map where a lot of people farm, essentially, to get that XP. And uh, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, the content creator, Pestilli, he basically did a level 1 to 40 grind only playing labs. And he did it in like 12 or 20 hours or something like that. It was very minuscule, but that's how much XP you can get off of that map that quickly.
1: How, how early do you find yourself going into labs after a wipe? It really depends on how often I get key cards. I would say the logic
2: that makes the most sense is to do it as early as possible. Because if you can get in there and just tap a few raiders, you've already got endgame gear, and you're not even six hours into the wipe. That gives you a significant advantage over other players. And one of the things that I was going to tap into that I had talked to you guys about was the moniker that I had earned. Which was the Glock Daddy.
1: <laughs> I, I saw a bunch of these clips on, on Twitter, dude. I, can't, I was trying to like scroll and do research. And I just kept seeing Glock head clips.
2: <laughs> so that's the point. So back in the day, there didn't use, and I'll, I'll segue this into the labs, the labs conversation. Back in the day, there didn't used to be the separation of a face hitbox. So when you had a helmet on, you were like impenetrable. Mm. Once they separated that and added that, it made running a pistol so viable. I had did a challenge where I went from one to 40 with just a Glock. That's where I earned that moniker and everyone's like, oh, I saw your eclipse. That's so awesome. Like. You can literally kill a player with a 2 million ruble loadout with one well-placed shot to the face with a pistol. And if you do it early enough in a wipe cycle and you have the ability to, you just take a pistol into labs, which is what happens a lot. You get two well-placed shots on some raiders. You got some endgame gear you can farm up a lot of equipment you get out and then you just dominate on the other maps and that was something that i'd really tapped into when i was creating content was right, look at all these geared players that i can take down with just a pistol like you don't need all this extra stuff you just need to have the right playstyle the patience and somewhat of the skill to be able to do that and you can wreck all these guys with these massive loadouts. The only thing that really stops you are the guys with like the face shields and whatnot. So,
0: so what kind of ammo do you use in the pistol? Because it's like the, you know, the the general thought is like ammo kills people, not necessarily guns. Mm-hmm. I'm just really curious to get your thoughts on that.
2: So what I was using prior to the AP-63, the armor piercing round for 9mm was the PST. That was the best ammo that you could get at the time. Then they added Luger, Rip, and AP63. The Rip and the Luger do an insane amount of flesh damage to a target. It does nothing to armor. So my logic, my approach to this is I'm basically just aiming for a headshot when I'm using a pistol. That's the most effective way to bring down a player. Now, if they have a face shield or if they have armor, the AP63 is your best chance to still bring that player down if you're unable to, to basically get a headshot. Uh, In the game. So from my perspective, if I have any chance of bringing a player down, even if they don't have the best gear, the AP 63 is going to serve me the best against those players with uh, armor.
1: Well, it's still got pretty good flesh damage, if I remember right.
2: Yeah, it still does a pretty good amount of flesh damage and pretty much almost any shot to the head is almost a one shot, a one hit kill. So it it really doesn't matter in that regard as much, mostly just about how you can cut through armor if you're if depending on where you're aiming at a at a, another player.
1: All of this talk about going 1 to 40 with a pistol. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around that, but it makes me think that you probably have some crazy stories, whether or not it's pistol related or that run related. Do you have like a most memorable situation Quite a few. There's one funny
2: story that I have from when I re- I actually ran into two streamer friends of mine, uh, guys by the name of WillerZ and Slush Puppy, and we were playing Labs, and I had I had just a Glock. They were just kind of messing around, like running around. They didn't have much gear on them. I think they had pistols too. I come bursting out of one of the medical rooms, and I just line them up, and I go one, two, and I got both of them with like simultaneous headshots. And there's a video compilation of this. It shows their perspective after they both got one tap and they both basically just had this shocked face on. And they're like, oh my God, that guy's cheating. There's no way he just did that. That's insane. This guy's not legit. Then they see my name pop up on the feed and they're like, oh, it's Dottie. Oh man, that guy's insane. <laughs> like, I just remember that being one of the funniest instances I've ever had with using a pistol uh, in Tarkov. And I just, uh, there's a video of that where the guy, Josh Guz, who does these EFT compilations, he goes side by side from my perspective to their perspective. And it's just, it's so funny. But that was one of like <laughs> the highlight moments I remember of doing stuff like that all the time.
1: <laughs> what about a heartbreak? Have you ever like had the, you know, loot somebody that had an items case or a thick case and got killed or anything like that? A few times I've found that on
2: players and died. Um, I don't know if I've had... Very memorable experiences like that, and again, I've played this game for so many years, so I can't quite remember all of them. But every time I run into a player with a face shield, I always just get so demoralized. I'm like, ah, oh, that's the that's the counter to this. Aside from that, I remember having killed somebody with like an items case on them in labs, and like a a, T- a T7 or a Reir, like some really good stuff. It's so everyday for me, and I I have a hard time like remembering some of those things, but. One of the other best moments I remember having is I was playing Interchange with a friend and they killed my teammate and there, th- there were three other geared players with fast MTs, Gen 4 Armors, M4s, AS Vows, and I was just like cornered in a room on Interchange and I just start running around like just like a madman and I'm like, shoot, shoot, kill, shoot, shoot, kill, shoot, shoot, shoot kill, and take down three geared players and my blood was just pumping and I was just like, I had this adrenaline rush, my hands are shaking, you know, just trembling, um, going toe to toe with players like this. And I remember just walking away from that with those three kills. And I was just like, just so hyped about it. I think uh, there's a command from it on my channel and whatnot. That's like one of my most proud moments when you're just taking down these guys with all these gear, and you just have a pistol. And that's like
0: the most satisfying thing ever to me. So we're talking pistols. Do you have favorite guns and do those guns change depending upon kind of like where we're at in the cycle of the wipe at all?
2: Um, Yeah, sometimes. So like early on, you don't have access to the Glock very early on in the wipe. I think you have to get to mechanic two or three before you can really get there. So about level 20, 25, you really don't have access to buying them straight up outside of looting them. One of the pistols I really like going to early wipe is the P226. It used to have this really bad fire rate cap on it. I think they fixed it, and there's some pretty cool mods for it. That gun is a really fun weapon to use. They just added the M9, uh, which is also a really fun gun to use until you can start buying better uh, pistols, so to speak. Uh, and then there's the 5.7, which just recently came out in the patch. And that is kind of like the bread and butter of the pistol family. That has the best armor penetration. That has the best damage. I find it, I'm not as good with the 5.7 as I am with the Glock, because it has this weird sway in the game that the Glock does not. That is by and large the most popular pistol because of how powerful it is in the game. Yeah, the 5'7's crazy. Gun's great. Yeah, you can melt level 5 armor with uh with the right ammo in a 5'7. You can't do that as easily uh with a Glock or any 9 mil. Like the AP63 takes a lot
1: longer to cut through it than the 5'7 round does. So, as we're talking about these guns, like it just has me thinking about some of the conversations we've had recently in the Discord, and a lot of newer players will talk about oh, they'll, they'll they'll kill somebody and get a really nice gun, right? Or they'll get something that you you know you say T seven, and it's like if I had a T seven, I'm probably not going to wear it. <laughs> you know, it's I'm going to sell it or. It's going to sit in the stash. But what would you say to somebody who's new or newer to the game or returning to the game and is experiencing some of that gear fear? How did you get over that when you first started playing this? Or have you been around long enough that it's just not really a thing anymore? It's definitely
2: not a thing for me anymore. I feel like I still get nervous when I bring out large kits and get into like large gun battles. One of the best things that I started doing to combat that was bringing in... Basically, a kit that was serviceable, not the best, uh, and then just working my way up from there. The one point of emphasis that I always tell people that come into my Twitch channel and my chat, they're like, How do I make money? How do I make money? My initial response to them is focus on survival. Don't always go for PvP. Don't always be trying to push the limits and get as many kills as possible. The biggest thing that you can do to kind of ramp your success in this game is literally just surviving or escaping. That's the name of the game. Like, you're in it to survive, and the more you can survive, the more money you pose to make, because if each t- if you're dying every time, basically you're spending all this money healing, you're spending all this money on new equipment, new gear, new ammo, and the best way to kind of just keep stacking on the success in this game is to just, just focus on getting out alive. That's really as simple as it is. That's the best bet that I can give for a lot of the new players that are playing this game.
1: So we agree, thus the name X for the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times people really want to get into PvP scenarios. So is is there a budget setup that you really like? If you're working on a budget or someone's like, Hey, what gun should I use if I only have like two hundred thousand rubles to invest in the kit? Are there certain armors or guns that you really like for that budget scenario?
2: Uh yeah, definitely. Since they changed the BlackRock, the BlackRock used to have like half as many spaces as it did. That's probably my go-to vest that you can get. There's a lot of MK3s that the scavs run, but their loadouts, if you were able to acquire them and just put a few parts on them, that's more than enough to to bring down like those juiced players, those guys with airframes and fast MTs. Like you get a Vepra 136, you put a little muzzle thing on it. Maybe you could put a foregrip on it and a little optic and you go to town. That goes a long way and you can find it. It's disposable. It's on scabs that you can find and just pick up and run with. So you don't have to spend a lot of that money. Same thing with the SKS. I don't find the SKS to be as viable because in order for that to kind of have the same staying power, you need to have the high capacity magazines, which are harder to get and they're harder to find. So that's why I say like going with something like the Veper Hunter, which is a 308. Rifle—that's one of the scariest guns in this game—and the Vepper One Three Six. Like those are two weapons that you can find on scavs and do some of the most damage to players in this game. As far as armors go, most of the level three stuff you can find is really serviceable, like the Carassas and whatnot. You get your hands on something like that, you know, you you basically have enough to stay in a gunfight to kind of combat other players to see if you can get more gear and extract. That gives you the best chance of going toe to toe with a player. Uh, If you were to uh, come across a situation
1: like that. So we just heard last week from Nikita in the podcast that they put out and they talked about cultists and the new armor plate system and open world is still planned and and all these things that are coming to the game. Some of them are coming to the game in the next patch because they just released that fixed patch this week or last week by the time this comes out. Is there anything that you're really looking forward to that they've started to tease? I'm really looking forward to more maps. Um,
2: when I first started playing the game, Interchange did not exist, Labs did not exist, and Reserve did not exist. And Shoreline was only half the size that it was. Resort hadn't even been implemented into the game yet. You basically could go from the Tunnel Exfil up to Rock Passage across the gate of Resort down to the bus station, down to gas station, and back. They didn't open up that other side of the map yet. And it's awesome when they add in all these new guns. It's awesome when they add in all these new armors and equipment and things like that. But the maps themselves have been the best experiences so far in the game. And I think they've done a great job of creating unique experiences in this game to kind of give it a fresh vibe. When Labs first came out, you hit this button, this massive alarm goes off these raiders with super armor and like these fully kitted M4s and HKs and things like that like start spawning and they can tear you to shreds like that experience is super super unique and they did the same thing on uh reserve by adding an exfil uh that is a dynamic exfil that comes in at a certain time and leaves by a certain time like with the train and whatnot uh so I think that's really cool I'm really excited to see what they do with streets of tarkov I think that's the thing I'm most excited for next
1: well and they teased uh, updating Interchange a little bit. So I- I'm like you, man. I, l- I love the dynamic reserve fills, And I feel like Interchange could use some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where a lot of people have problems with extract
2: campers because they know there's only two ways in and two ways out. 50% of the time, you know, well, 100% of the time, but you know that you're going to get somebody that's making it out in one of those places. So I know that they plan on adding more extracts. That's the main problem uh, with that map that I see. I'm hoping that they do something pretty cool with that map. I know that they're planning on adding an alarm for the Kiba store, which I think will create some freshness, some cool Mm -hmm. gunfights, some cool opportunities. You could kind of bait that, bring people to the area, things like that. So I think that's a really cool experience that I think that would uh, make for uh, some exciting content in this game.
1: So I think the last thing, and you were kind of talking about the different maps, and I was trying to figure it out on my own, which map was your favorite, and I'm having a hard time pinning it down. And typically, like, I always love new maps in any game that I play, like when a new map comes out, I usually dig in. So if I had to guess, I'm guessing reserve, but I'm curious what your favorite map is. I do like
2: reserve for the fact that it is so open. Uh, There's a lot of long range possibilities in that game, and there's a lot of CQB. Uh Environment to it, the troublesome part that I had was the X until I got my hands on a red rebel i didn't really like going there a whole lot. That map is one of the most exciting maps. I find it to be a lot slower than all the other maps. My personal favorite map is interchange I'm a very big c q b guy if you've seen my channel, I've run around with the m p seven like a like a madman and I'm just hosing everything down in front of me so interchange is by and large my favorite map. I love like the angles there. I love the long hallways. I love the dark corners. It reminds me very much of Counter-Strike, and one of my favorite things to do is, like, if I see somebody upstairs, and I'm I'm stuck, and they're shooting down at me, like, alright, cool, I'm gonna go back here, come up, and I'm gonna be on your tail before you even blink and realize that I've made that maneuver, so that's been one of my favorite maps uh, this entire time since it came out. And I remember initially when it came out, there were no scabs on the map. It was all players and player scabs. Whoa! When it initially was released... There was no AI on the map. There was only player scavs and players. That sounds
0: that cool. That would have made a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and Killa
2: did not exist yet. So it was, it was ridiculous because it actually used to run a hell of a lot better frame rate wise when there wasn't <laughs> AI on the map. It was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. And you knew like every fight you were getting into was another player.
1: That's cool. It was such a cool, unique experience when it came out. That would be a cool pre-wipe event to like take out the AI and just have everything be player scavs or players. Right. And in fact, I think
2: they've done that once or twice and they've done something else where they've added all the scavs as raiders on all maps too. Before point 12, uh, they removed all the scavs and replaced them with raiders. And it was just, (laughs) it was
0: something else, man. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, it, it'd be interesting if the game had a mode where it could re- just remove Scav and just make it all players. Right. That would be kind of cool. And I think they're
2: trying to do something like that in the future where they have, like, essentially an arena. That's something that they've talked about, but I don't think it's been something that has been uh, applicable until they figure out a lot of these major bugs and a lot of these major wipe, or uh, these major, like, server issues and things like that. I think they want to get the game stability done first before they, they creep into that realm, but that is an idea that they've... Uh, They've talked about uh, in previous podcasts.
1: Yeah, he he alluded to that because they he said that that may be the only place that they implement like a kill cam would be in the arena. It was hilarious watching Nikita troll chat because they're asking him about kill cam. He's like, it will not happen. Like it is (laughs) not happening in this game,
2: which I think is great. That's one of the things that makes this game unique. It's like as soon as you die, sometimes you just don't know. That's the way it should be. I, I want it to stay as hardcore as possible. And even back in the day, like, when I first started playing, like, meta animations were immediate. There Actually, there wasn't even an animation. As soon as you hit the button, you started healing. You could instant reload mags. So I'm liking how that they've changed the game and they've slowed it down to give it more of a realistic feel. So they're definitely doing a lot of right things in this game. Community is super passionate about it. And now that it's had this exposure, I think it's going to be one of the best long-staying games, not only on Twitch, but in the, in the gaming world for quite a while, because there's literally nothing else like it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's super cool to see that your content has started to explode, and you know you've had this success that I think a lot of creators that were already in Tarkov have had, and it's attracting a bunch of new ones as well. And I mean, I love talking about Tarkov, and I'm super excited to just see where it goes, but... I also don't want to gloss over just your content, your stream, because you had something pretty major happen right about the time I started playing Tarkov. I thought it was super cool that just in the last few months, man, you you got your Twitch partnership. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you yeah it was a it was a pretty cool experience.
2: That was actually my main goal for 2019. I remember the day I remember when it happened. I was just playing Tarkov like anyone else one day, and then all of a sudden my follower alert goes off, and I look over and I had to do a double take real quick, and it was Summit 1G. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm like like, "No way. What are you doing here? Why are you following me? Where did this come from?
1: No way, dude. After that.
2: And I have a graph of, like, my Twitch analytics for the last three years. You can literally see that moment happening. And because of guys like him, because of guys like Clean that have these massive audiences that shared their communities with mine, I went from 40 viewers instantly to, like, 120. Wow. And just from September to December, I had had an application in for Twitch Partner. I got denied my first time because... I didn't have that viewership audience for that long. I think I'd only had, like, three streams that were above the average that's re- that was required for it. Mm-hmm. But because I had met guys like Clean and Summit 1G uh, and sustained that number over for the next, like, month and a half, and then when, when I reapplied, I was approved, which was, like, I was just fist pumping in the air. It's like, yes, I got my goal done for 2019. I was just I was just kind of doing my thing. You know, I'm listening to metal, being a goofball, playing Tarkov and, you know, guys like that that came along that really helped kind of just light the candle, so to speak, brought in all this exposure for really like one of their main reasons why I was able to accomplish that so
1: quickly. That's awesome.
2: Big ups to those guys. And like I said, I'm just a guy doing my thing every day, day in and day out. I love this game. I love music. That's a really big talking point in my channel. And every day people come in and they're like, really? There's a guy listening to metal on in in Twitch. Like, this is so cool. Like nobody does that. I've kind of like honed in on that and and made it a part of my channel and like made it my own, so to speak. So like my community is like known as the mosh pit essentially. Ooh, there you <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I, I've just I've loved every minute of it and like people show me music. I show people other music as well. I have a Spotify playlist that's creeping up now on 500 followers, and every day people are like, I listen to your playlist like all day at work or on my commute or at the gym, and I'm like, that's so cool, man. I'm, I'm hoping that you find a lot of new bands that you really like and want to support. That's really wholesome for me, especially coming from a musician background.
1: That's awesome. On the way out, we always like to give you the promotional floor, but before we do that, you said something there that I really like. So I'm going to I'm gonna ask you what I think is going to be a really hard question. If you had to pick one song to get hyped up to, to play Tarkov, and you could only listen to that song to get hyped up for Tarkov for the rest of the time, what song would you pick getting ready to play? It came
2: to mind immediately. Um, there is a band that is probably one of the most successful metal bands of all time. And I think it's undisputed that they may be the best metal band of all time and that is Slipknot. Their new track, "Soulway Firth, just hits so hard, and I love the riff, I love the style of it, so if I'm playing Tarkov and I need to get amped up, I'm putting on "Soulway Firth by Slipknot.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to, first of all, what what I want to do here is just say thanks, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, talk some Tarkov. Uh, hopefully we'll get you back on at some point. Right now, what we want to do is just give you the floor, man. I want you to let people know how they can find you, when they come to find you, what can they expect, what kind of content do you put out there, if you have any shout outs to people you want to make, and then kind of what's next in your content world.
2: Yeah, so you guys can find me on Twitter at DottieHackTV on Twitch. Uh, It's just Hack, Like uh, we talked about, I just recently got Twitch Partner back in December. What you guys can expect out of a stream from me is I'm just being me. I'm just being myself. We're going to listen to metal all the time. We're just going to have good times, good vibes. Big shout out to guys like Clean and uh, Summit for really helping me get to the point where I feel like I'm accomplishing what I've really set out to do. And yeah, I hope to see you guys in chat sometime. I'd love to rock out and show you guys some new bands that you might not have listened to. And yeah, we're
0: just going to shred it up in Tarkov, see what happens. Awesome. Awesome. To close this out, I just want to say thanks again. It's been awesome talking to you and awesome meeting you. Make sure all of you guys listen to Dexfield, check out Dottie Hack. And so, thanks, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us today. Is there anything else you want to say, Daddy?
2: Uh, Yeah, I want to thank both of you guys for uh, having me on the show. I've had a lot of fun doing this, and I really am looking forward to doing this again in the future. Like, this is a let's lot go. of fun. I love
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. Do it. <laughs> let's do it. You got you to gotta carry us through sometime. Uh, we'd love to play with you. I'm down, man. Anytime, anytime. That'd be awesome. All right, Trigger, you got any final thoughts? No, man, I think, we're, uh, I think we're walking
1: into the X-Fill pretty clean here. I think we're going to make it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Get out alive, man. That's the name of the game. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to the show. Remember, you can always uh, hit us up in Discord. If you want to check out more about what we're doing, uh, search for x Podcast and all the places that you are listening to podcasts. And don't forget to check out the XP Media Now YouTube channel, where the video version of this will be up and running. And beyond that, remember to uh, scav often and have a good time. We'll see you, everybody. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you. See you, guys.